0: So it seems the Experian data leak is in the press again, and this time, it's a bit more serious. How much more serious can it get, you ask? Average Joe on street can now get all the leaked information by using a web browser and an internet connection. I'm Rian, your honest IT advisor, and let's talk data breaches with Experian. If I've lost you at Experian in the introduction, uh, I need to clarify a bit of information around the Experian data leak. So on the 19th of August, uh, South African Banking Risk Center announced a breach of data that occurred at Experian. So South Africans were up in arms as the initial numbers reported were an estimate of about 24 million personal user account leaks and close on 794,000 companies affected. And they had to ask themselves then, so, so this data is leaked now, but who is Experian? And then everybody calmed down a bit because they had no idea what Experian did. But Experian is a company that works with data. So companies contact Experian, and then they provide them with databases of information or raw data, And then they ask them to perform certain calculations or estimates or predictions, um, you know, some forecasts on that data and maybe to sort the data for them or clear out data that that doesn't work anymore or data that's incomplete. But then word came through that several banking institutes of South Africa make use of Experian and everybody was up in arms. And Experian subsequently said that no banking information or bank account details were leaked. However, after the fact, they had a press release that said that bank account numbers were indeed leaked. But no official bank login details, so they couldn't do anything with the details that they got, but there was a risk to it purely because of the fact that bank account numbers were leaked. The question big is how this could happen. A company that works with millions of records, with data, a company that, that prides themselves on Uh, data mining and and statistical analysis of data. How could they let something like this happen? And I'm going to read a bit of of the official press release that's available on their website. And they state that, quote unquote, it is important for us to clarify that Experian did not provide the fraudster with identity details. The fraudster provided Experian with 25,055,049 names, surnames, and South African identity numbers, which Experian verified. The data was limited to contact information, including telephone, email, and physical address and employment information, which includes place of work, title, start date, and work contact details. No personal consumer credit, financial, or banking information was shared by Experian. So let's recap on the amount of data that was leaked. 25 or or just over 25 million user accounts and and information from those user accounts, including names, surnames, ID numbers, um, telephone numbers, email accounts, physical addresses, employment information, where people work, the address of employment, and so forth. You've got to ask yourself now: What would somebody do with information like that? And the first thing that that comes to mind is identity theft. Um, and and you might ask yourself, but. Okay. So my information is relatively available. Um, Anybody can get your ID number. If, If you've applied for a loan somewhere or you've opened up a bank account somewhere, then your ID number is readily available along with your full birth names and your surname. Right. So that's point number one ticked off. Good. And what about your cell phone number? So cell phone number is also quite easily available. There are multiple call centers that's got your number. Just think about the amount of spam calls that you're receiving on a daily basis. So that is readily available. What about an email address? Uh, If you make use of an email address to email friends, corporates, business connections, and the like, then that's public knowledge. So again, information that's readily available. Only thing that might not be available to public is where you work or the address of your workplace. But again, if they know where you work and they Google your, your company name, people that you work for, then they would find an address or a listed address for your place of work. So again, this data is already available. What does come to mind now is the actual bank account details. So. Um and, and what bothers me a bit here is, uh and that's why I'm, I'm doing this podcast is, it's now available for anybody. If you've got an internet browser connected to the internet, you can find these leaked accounts on the internet. It's stored in a CSV file or a comma separated value file within Excel. And it lists all of these user data. So it's not one single file, it's multiple files. And if you do a search on the internet, if you know what to search for, then you could stumble upon this and you can download it free of charge. Right. So after a bit of research and and reading on several popular IT portals, I found some information and I found an extract from one of these files. And I'm going to share this data with you because this would give you some background information as to the amount of data that they've got. And this could perhaps assist you when guarding against phishing attacks or people that's trying to, you know, get identity theft. Um, So let's go and look at some of these fields. Um, The first one that that is listed is an RSA ID, so full ID number. And what you need to note here is that there might be 25 odd million records, but not all 25 million of these records are complete. That means that your ID number may not be listed, but your full initials, first names, and your surname might be listed. Your primary telephone number might be listed, but your home telephone number or your company telephone number might not be listed. So these are not complete records, not all of them in any case. Uh, So there might be a possibility that if your account was leaked, or your personal information was leaked, that not all of that information is leaked. You need to determine um, what the value is of this information and what people can do with it. So back to the file. First entry was an RSA ID, uh, then a, a, a first name, a surname, um, Something that's interesting here is a couple of cell phone and home telephone number entries. So, again, not all of them completed, but many of them have full details. And there's about seven, eight, nine telephone numbers listed. Uh, email address. Um, it also states who your employer is. The example here that I've got is Motor Sales Santa um, and Occupation. Um when did your occupation start? What was your start date? What is your employee's name or, or employer's name? Who do you work for? Um what occupation do you occupy within the organization? Are you a manager, are you a clerk, are you a technician? Uh that's listed. Um, what was your previous employer? What was your position at your previous employer? What is the address of your employer? Uh, What suburb do they reside in? Uh, Street number, street name, suburb, (laughs) area code. Yeah, so there's a lot of information here that's related to you as a person. Now, if you... Remember back to the start of this episode, I mentioned that there was 25 million odd end user accounts that leaked, but also 794,000 company leaked accounts. Now, if we look at the file on companies, and I've again got an example here from some research that I I did, um, fields that are listed are um, debtors' names. So. What is the name of the company? What is the legal name? What are they trading as? Um, what is the purpose of the business? Uh, is the company active or inactive? When was it registered? Very important here. What is the registration number of the company clearly listed? Um The turnover. So what is your annual turnover for the company? That's very interesting. Um, Again, information that a phishing or scam artist would use to put you at ease to get more information from you. Um, What is your primary reason for business? Um, Let's see, uh, uh, telephone number, primary telephone number, primary residence uh, address, registered address of the business. Um, (laughs) very interesting. Do you own the premises or or is it leased? Um, this example that I've got says that it's leased. Uh, what the VAT number of the company is, who the auditor is. That's very interesting. So if they've got the auditor information, that builds credibility. Somebody phones you and says, I'm phoning from, let's call it ABC auditors and they can give you, um, details of the primary contact of that auditor and say, let's call it John from ABC auditors and and you get a telephone call that says, hi, I'm Marian. I'm phoning from ABC auditors. John asked me to give you a call. Um, I've got your VAT number listed as XYZ123. Uh, I need you to verify your registration number. That's going to put you at ease. You're not going to suspect anything there. If I already give you some information that I've got, and then just ask you to verify one or two entries. Very interesting here is what, bank you make use of, your bank account number, uh, what branch you you make use of. So the actual branch name isn't listed here, but the branch code is listed, which is easily traceable. If you do an internet search on a branch code, um, you would be presented with the actual branch that uses that code. This is alarming. And this is why I say that you need to take a bit more care um, regarding the Experian data leak. The question is raised as to how this data was leaked. Um, Experian said that it was a person that called in that portrayed themselves as a contact of a client, of an existing client. Um, And this client provided these 25 million records to Experian and just asked them to verify the information and um, to complete some of the information within the document so they already had names surnames um, let's say for instance telephone numbers and those are easy to get and uh, you do a google search for somebody on their name and surname and chances are that you're going to get a, a email address and if you email that person and build a relationship with them or if you do some social engineering you might find more information very easily on that specific person so building a a file like that should not be as hard i think the fact that 25 million entries was built just helped with the credibility from the i'd call it imposter from the imposter side um, to build some trust from experience so that they could then again share this information back to them it is very alarming Um, you need to be aware of this and and Probably your next question now is, so what now? What do I do now? Let's first look at what they can do with your information. First off, um, identity theft, as I mentioned, uh, that's that's point number one. What they would like to do is is open up accounts or uh, register entities within your name that you're unaware of and there are several websites that you can use to do credit checks to see who's applied for credit on your name or who's registered services on your name what activity has gone through on your id number and i'll list some of those websites in the comment section of this podcast um second of it's used by scam artists. So initially experience said that the primary intent was for advertising and marketing and um, that people could expect a lot more advertising emails and marketing related emails because there's now a database of 25 million odd email accounts that they can mass mail to. But uh, subsequently I think it's a bit more serious than just marketing and advertising. Um, also, If we think about verification of information, I had a telephone call from a telecoms provider in South Africa a couple of weeks ago, and they stated that they wanted to upgrade my existing telecoms uh, internet connection. Uh, They could give me information such as the contract that I'm currently using for internet services. They could give me my ID number. They could give me my full name and surname. Um, And then they asked me to verify my email address and my bank account number. And luckily, I was vigilant to this. So I immediately told them, listen, in in lieu of the recent data leaks, I am not willing to share or disclose this information to you. And I invite you to send me an email to um, ask for this information. And this person then said, so which email address should I use? And I immediately thought to myself, so if they've got my name, they've got my ID number, and they've got my surname, they should then definitely have my email address, correct? So I told them to send me an email on the registered email address that they've got so that I can verify their authenticity, to verify if they are indeed who they say they are. Now, this in itself is an, a very difficult thing to do. Um, so you're phishing... Artists, I call them artists because it really is an art these days. Um, They've sharpened their skills so much that it's very difficult to spot a phishing email. Um, They register domains that are very close to or resemble a known domain, they would swap two letters within a domain name and to the human eye, that would look like the exact domain and you would trust that domain. In the meantime, it is an actual phishing domain and they're just phishing for your information. So needless to say, uh, I never received the email from the telecoms provider uh, to confirm my details. And I never received a telephone call from them again, um, trying to, to sell this service to me. Maybe I just got lucky or maybe I am vigilant enough. Thing is, we all need to be vigilant now. Your second question might be, uh, what can I do to protect my own security now? And, and your, f- <laughs> I would say probably your first instinct would be to go and change all your passwords. But if you cannot ensure that you are changing your password from a secure device, then that in itself might be the exact puzzle piece that these phishing and scam artists are waiting for. They are sitting and waiting for you to enter a new password on the already infected computer and that's the last piece that they need to take over your bank account to set up two-factor authentication and the like and then assume your identity so it's very important make sure that when you do change your passwords that it it's done from a secure device my advice to you would be to see if you can get an on-screen keyboard and use mouse clicks um, Go all out and, and change the resolution on your computer if you're afraid that they might track the X and Y axis of those mouse clicks. Um, think outside the box and uh, try and get those those uh, keyboard keystrokes out of reach of the scam artists and phishing artists. Make sure that you use a, a secure device. So as noted, I will post some of those links within the comments section and you're more than welcome to Drop me an email if you've got concerns, if, you, if you've got questions that you need answered. I'll do my utmost best to give you the right advice and and probably the most thoughtful advice at this stage. Um, it seems that cyber threats are at the increase again. And I think we're going to see more and more of these in the very near future. Uh, it's becoming a, a big profit game for these scam artists and phishing artists. Thank you so much for listening. I hope I didn't scare you too much with this information, but I do think that it's very necessary that you are aware of the risks out there and that you take the necessary precautions to protect yourself and your data. As always, thank you so much for listening and drop your comments to marketing at ipdimension.net. Have a great day.